Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Who Done It podcast. It's a murder mystery podcast with me, Mike Mazzalotti, and my other host, Levi Manis. Hello. Who done it? <laughs> so this is basically a podcast where we go over old unsolved murders and we just kind of add our own eyes and our professional, you know, comedian expertise to it, try to solve some mysteries. We're not expecting to by any means, but they're still really interesting nonetheless. Yeah, and hey, you know what? If we do solve a murder along the way, uh, we solve the murder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's something to put on a resume. Yeah, we don't, like, expect to solve a murder episode one, you guys. Like, you know, we're, we're like, our heads aren't, like, that far in the clouds. But, you know, maybe episode 30, <laughs> yeah. 35. I feel, I feel that's pretty realistic. Yeah, you know, you get a following. Hopefully you guys will be like, hey, man, let's look into some of these murders and help solve some of these crimes. Uh, today, we have great people sitting in with us. Yeah, we got Willie Simon and Michael Evans. Awesome. So let's get this episode rolling. Uh, so this first episode is going to be the murder of Dorothy Jane Scott. So this is going to be uh, an attempt at episode one of Who Done It, the murder mystery podcast. I'm Mike Mazzalotti, and the co-host of this podcast is Levi Manis. Hello, how's it going? All right, I guess I, I don't. don't, I don't <laughs> introductions are the worst. I don't know how to handle it. That's so. true. Well, hey. then we also sitting with two guests today. I'm Michael Evans. I'm Willie Simon. If I drop food on your ground, can I, is it still good to eat? Is like how Arsenal dirty is your ground? I just care. vacuumed before you guys got okay, here. Okay, cool. I'm I was like the third this time then. this place was vacuumed. So, <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. That's fresh. All right. All right. Let's solve a mystery. I'm down. So let's solve this mystery. So I'm going to just read through, and then uh, you guys uh, just let, you know, we'll see what you guys think. I read this through earlier. It's a really creepy um, murder mystery. I'm not really sure how to. Uh, this is a true story. It's all real? Oh, this is real. This is already a great idea. Yeah. So, uh, I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, so this is the murder of Dorothy Jane Scott. All right, so Dorothy Jane Scott disappeared on May 28, 1980 in Anaheim, California. She had driven two co-workers to the hospital after one had been bitten by a spider. While they were waiting for a prescription to be filled, Scott went to, her car, to get her car and bring it around to meet them. Her car approached them but sped away. Neither could see who was driving as its headlights had blinded them. The reporter, uh, they reported her missing a couple hours later after not hearing from her. In the preceding months, Scott had been receiving anonymous phone calls from a man who had been reportedly stalking her. He threatened to get her alone and cut her up into bits and so that nobody would find her. In August 1984, partial remains were found and identified as Dorothy Jane Scott. In 1980, a man called the Orange County Register, a local newspaper that had published a story on the disappearance and claimed that he had killed Scott. Police believe that the caller was Scott's killer. From 1980 to 84, Scott's mother, Vera, also received phone calls from a man who claimed that he had killed Scott or he still had her with him. The phone calls had not been traced as the man did not stay along in the line and no arrests have ever been made for his case, which has been called one of the strangest, strangest disappearances ever. So that's kind of like a whole... Jesus. Uh, yeah. Okay, wait, but is that's it... Uh, didn't it... So a guy... Take me back to where the guy called. A guy is called in. Okay, so yes. Yeah, so this is why I'm trying to figure this out, because that was the whole uh, beginning to end, but it's, it, it left out a lot of details. When you go back through, I'll kind of go through so you guys can kind of... Let's go about the victim, so you guys can kind of learn about the story a little bit. Uh, Scott was a 32-year-old single mother living in Stanton, California, with her aunt and four-year-old son. She was a secretary for two jointly-owned Anaheim, California stores, one that sold psychedelic items... 
such as love beads and lava lamps. Mm, and the other very was psychedelic. Yeah. And the other was a head shop. So she worked at a psychedelic shop and a head shop. But the white lady? Yeah, that's her right there on the screen. Okay. Uh coworkers <laughs> and friends said oh, that she preferred staying at home and was a devout Christian and did not drink or do drugs. She worked at a head shop? A head shop and uh, a psychedelic shop. But her coworkers and friends said Devout Christian didn't drink or do drugs. Yeah. I don't know if that's a front, a cover up. Yeah, mm. those two don't make sense to yeah, me. That's yeah, that's odd. Yeah, maybe they're like a like a type of Christians who don't see drugs as drugs, and they experience Jesus through LSD or some shit. Like, what's I don't know. what is sold at a psychedelic shop in the eighties? Like, what what does psychedelic include? Like, when they couldn't sell drugs in the, it in said, I e uh, love beads, lava lamps, probably black light posters. <laughs> <laughs> like, do they have weed like short stores back then like like pipe stores and that kind of thing well that's where i said the head shop it also had a head shop so yeah it was a marijuana but it was also in anaheim california which i feel like you know california was ahead of all that but i think it was very probably tobacco based head shop no, anaheim was like pretty white back in the 80s though so yeah. it's like surprising that i guess there were a lot of hippies back then so i mean just it was, it was a very like stuck up part of la so that's like kind of yeah. Odd that they would be there. I, it would make sense that she'd be Christian, I guess, from Anaheim. Head shops but, have been around a while because you could just—they would just print on the bottom of everything for tobacco use only. And yeah, just, that was the easiest loophole in the world. And it'd just be like a candle shop. Yeah. That is kind of nuts that her two jobs were both uh, like drug slash weed. You know, what I mean, like, mm-hmm. and yeah, she's a devout Christian who doesn't do drugs. Yeah, you think, that, do you think she? This guy found her through like this. That, that, okay, so that's what I'm kind of I was thinking is maybe from her jobs because she worked retail at both these places, she met somebody who could have been the person that stalked her. That's absolutely mm-hmm. where they got in touch. Yeah, yeah, that makes like sense. a lady got murdered that works at like a, an, an 80s psychedelic head shop so, in Anaheim. I don't know if Anaheim is significant here. What, what's the what's the landscape of Anaheim like in the 80s? Wait, um, wait, you said it's super white. Is that significant? I think it was like a like a I know. Most of, like, Anaheim and, like, Orange County was a big, like, KKK place in California. Like, that was where they all lived in L.A., was in that area. Whoa. So, so this could be, yeah. Could be a KKK murder. That, oh, shit. Oh, shit. That got more interesting. Right when they still only let white people into Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, let's see. We got, um... So her parents who lived in Anaheim babysat her their grandson while Scott worked. So Scott's father, Jacob, said his daughter may have dated on occasion but had no steady boyfriend that the family knew of. So I feel like she could have been living a double life, possibly, or something that the because she's you know all her family and friends think say she's this devout Christian, uh, uh, you know, but she's a single mom, works at a head shop and a psychedelic shop. Well, maybe maybe she like viewed psychedelics as like sort of like more medicinal purposes more yeah, than anything, you know, saying. or like one yeah. of those in touch with God ladies that does it spiritually psychedelically like that. Maybe like mm-hmm. maybe that was part of. Well, it says it doesn't do drugs though. Yeah. Or she could she could have been like a newly turned Christian, turning her life around. Oh yeah, you know, yeah that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Who still couldn't? Who still had these jobs from her past and couldn't let it go? Yeah. Like the family could have been Christian. That's how she could have been raised. But then maybe gone off this path. Or the and same then thing. Met this uh, this murder dude. You know, and murder then tried dude. to tried to get back, but the murder dude was already in her life. There's no mm-hmm. no escaping the fate of murder dudes. The inverse of the same thing too. Maybe she was just leaving. Maybe she was a devout Christian and was letting it go and like, started working at a shop like that. Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm. she's on her way out. Well, yeah. yeah when did been it. when did they find the pieces of her? Uh, four years after she went disappearing, I think. And where did they find them? Or she disappeared. Um, let's see. It said partial remains. Uh, it, I, it, 
just Anaheim, the same area-ish. But let me keep going through this. So then uh, prior to her abduction and murder, uh, months before her abduction, Scott had been receiving anonymous phone calls at work from an unidentified male. She told her mother she recognized the voice but could not remember his name. So, so a customer. That's right. That's the only type of like relationship you would have. Like, the, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, Where if you, you know would... the voice, but you can't think of the person's name, like, you, yeah, a customer. I know so many customers' voices, but you would never know their name. It's a right. customer. Yeah. Damn, that's so f***ing creepy. Someone just but comes in all the time. But there's also, there's also a lot of room for error for that, because you may have, like, already an idea of who it might be, and then you just kind of, like, place it on that voice, but... Yeah. Who... That's true. Yeah, you could easily get yourself to believe true information. Yeah. Who... What... I, I, more about that part about that he he called and like admitted it. A guy did. Yeah. Well, here we, it's gonna keep going into that. Uh, she told her mother she recognized the voice, but I don't remember his name. Uh, the caller alternately told uh, Scott of his love and devotion and threatened to kill her. The man also said he had been stalking her and provided accurate details of her day to day life to prove that he was. Oh wow. Hey, he he professes love and devotion to her. Yeah, and then threatened to kill her over the phone. And then he told her he's been stalking her and then gave her details of her everyday life so she would know that he wasn't f***ing around. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't f***ing around at all. Yeah. Well, maybe, right? Well, she's I mean, like, if, maybe she's still alive then? I don't know, man. It, well, well, they found the body part, so she's definitely uh, got some murdered. Some body but, parts. But, it, but I'm, I'm, I can't get past the fact they found I'm the body that. parts like four <laughs> years later. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I, what do body parts look like after four years of decomposition? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, probably or were they recently found? And like, how many years was she held before maybe like something happened to her? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Let me see. Yeah, let's see what else it says. Um, Scott's mother recounted that one day he called and said to go outside because he had something for her. She went outside and there was a single dead rose on the windshield of her car. So this guy's been. <laughs> with this girl yo and he's good at it too yeah that's crazy as f- a dead rose and this is like 19 19- where do you even get one on purpose <laughs> yeah he had to like buy that rose and then just like let it die <laughs> like a few weeks ago like yeah. roses last a long time yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he killed the rose too oh my yeah this guy's uh, how long is he stuck in that rose do you think hmm man this is ridiculous so then uh, scott's mother said that one call especially horrified her daughter the man reportedly told scott he would get her alone, and when he did, he would dismember her. Because of the calls, Dorothy considered buying a handgun. Uh, about a week before her disappearance, she began taking karate lessons. So this girl was, like, literally, like, super shook of this dude and knew she had to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, talking about buying a handgun, she actually took karate lessons two weeks before for self-defense. This is ridiculous, man. That is ridiculous. And it picks someone up at the hospital, too, like... Like, you wonder, like, what was, was, that, was that premeditated then, like, her going to the hospital? Yeah, so this Wait, is where... Like waiting for her there? I forget the, uh, the hospital part. Well, here we go. I'll, it's coming right back up at 9 p.m. on May 28th, 1980. So this is the day she disappeared. Scott was with an employee meeting at work. She noted a co-worker, Conrad Bostrom, did not look well and had a red mark on his arm. She and another co- co-worker took Bostrom to the emergency room at the UC Irvine Medical Center. Medical personnel uh, determined that he had suffered a black widow spider bite and treated him. So you got a big, so a coworker got bit by a black widow. Are those like very common? Yeah. I feel like that. Yeah, that's oh, seems right. common, especially in California too. Mm-hmm. Okay, that seems ridiculous to me, but. Yeah. Wait. So, are are you saying ridiculous is in terms of this could have been a set like that guy did it, 
Well, I mean, was was he, was he, uh, was he, what do you, like, discharged? Was he still in the hospital when they, like, she went to get the car, right? So, yeah, so then this is, um, he said, uh, she and Scott remained in the ER waiting at the room at no time, uh, he said, did Scott leave her side? So Scott was next to her in the emergency room the whole time, and then Boston was discharged around 11 p.m. and given a prescription. So that night, uh, let's see, a couple hours, so two hours later, he was discharged, so they were all together the whole time. Uh, Scott offered to bring her car to the exit. She didn't want Boston to walk too far because of his condition and he wasn't feeling well. He and Scott used the restroom briefly before heading out to the parking lot. So it looks like they were all together the entire time in the hospital. Wait, who's Heed? Heed Heed was the friend of the guy, the third co-worker. So Heed and Scott, so Dorothy and and female co-worker friend used the bathroom. He offered to go get the car in the first place. He wanted to. No, no, no. Dorothy... Dorothy Scott offered to go get the car. Scott is the last name. Because he, she didn't want him walking. She didn't want Bostrom walking because he just got bit by a but spider. But he offered. Yeah. He wanted to in the first place, right? And she was like, no, 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 you just got bit. No, no, no. Scott offered to bring. She offered to bring the car around. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I keep saying Scott because it says it here. But it's Dorothy Scott. She's the, the victim. So the Dorothy Scott offered to bring her car to the exit. She didn't want Bostrom to walk too far because of his condition. So then he and Bostrom uh, filled his prescription and then waited at the exit for uh, Dorothy Scott. When they did not see her after a few minutes, they went out into the ER's mm. parking lot. Mm. Suddenly, they th- they saw Dorothy Scott's car speeding toward them. Its headlights blinded them so they could not see who was behind the wheel. They waved their arms to try to get Scott's attention, but the car sped past them and took a sharp right turn out of the parking lot. Oh, Initially, both thought Scott. Uh, they both thought Scott had an emergency. That maybe came up with her son. Uh, a few hours later, after not hearing from her, Heed and Boston uh, reported Scott missing. At about 4.30 a.m. on May 29th, Scott's car, a white 1973 Toyota station wagon, was found burning in an alley about 10 miles from the hospital. Holy Neither he, she nor the supposed kidnapper were anywhere nearby. I, I find it weird that the kidnapper, if, she's, if he's been stalking her for this long, decides to you know do something while her friends are around and yeah, expecting that's, her that's you know bold. what i mean that that was kind of weird timing well he he must have known she was at the hospital but been waiting outside probably been waiting by her car i would mm-hmm. think that maybe he broke into her car because it said that when the car sped away he was most likely the one driving the car yeah. or yeah right but i'm just i'm just kind of confused as to why he wanted uh, kidnap her when there was nobody waiting for her or no friends around. It kind of makes me think he kind of wanted to get caught in a way. Yeah, or it was just all about opportunity. Called too. Well, it could be with that kind of a high thing because he was the one doing the phone calls, dropping the rose. Yeah, like he, he likes pushing it. Yeah, this dude This dude seems like a psychopath, man. That's insane that, that, she, was, that she was to a point where she was afraid enough for her life getting phone calls at work and that she was going to get a gun. Mm-hmm. And then... And then took... Uh, karate. Well, I mean, yeah, she... she like, that's... That means that you were, if you're scared enough to sign up for karate lessons, dude, that's like, <laughs> for real, though. Yeah, seriously. That's like, yeah. that's a for real yeah. thing. Like, that's, like, if you're older than eight and you're signing up for karate lessons, <laughs> yeah. something's going on. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. are. Yeah, if you're you have any aspirations way. of being a ninja past 14, something's <laughs> yeah, going exactly. on. Like, like, it's going to take a lot of effort to scare me to go into a gym. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially like a dojo. <laughs> like, not even a gym. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wait, where'd you get that? Do you yeah. think that since the guy was stalking her for a while and then he saw her taking karate lessons, he's like, all right, I got to get her before she gets to a black belt. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, 
I had her That's why he did it at the hospital. Ass. Yeah. He saw that she'd taken class. He's like, now's my only night, dude. She's getting her first stripe tomorrow. Yeah. I can't do anything. <laughs> She's going to move along. I got to get this. Yeah. <laughs> Kia. All right. So on August 6, 1984, a construction worker discovered human bones on Santa Ana Canyon Road. On August 14th, the bones were identified as Scott. So this is four years later. A turquoise ring and watch were also found. Scott's mother said that the watch had stopped at 12.30 a.m. on May 29th. Uh, about an hour, she said, after Pam Heed and Conrad Bostrom saw, last saw Scott's vehicle. An autopsy could not determine the cause of death. A memorial service was held on August 22nd. The motivation for Scott's abduction and murder is still unknown. This is right. crazy. Mm-hmm. So then at the very end, we got, uh, this is kind of going back. Every Wednesday until the, sp- so this is after the, uh, the murder. So this is, at, she's uh, gone and then the family's trying to move on. And then we got every Wednesday until the spring or summer of 1984, an unidentified man would call Vera Scott. That's Dorothy's mother. He said either that he had Dorothy or that he killed her. The Wait, call how, how frequently? Every Wednesday. Uh, every Wednesday. Jesus Christ. This is great. He's like doing a great job at being creepy. This, this guy's like a movie. psycho, this man. This is like, like, like scary movie good. like a very well-written character if that yeah. guy wasn't real. Like yeah. That was... this, the calls were usually brief and usually occurred when Vera was home alone. So this guy knew Yeesh. when the mom was at home alone. This is so crazy because I wonder what motivates somebody to like go that far. I mean, he got his victim, he got away with it, and now he's just like tormenting the family. Yeah, That's ridiculous. Like, why? Yeah. It had to be of someone like they knew. Like, well, because she said she recognized the voice. Maybe it was someone they knew. If this is like this personal for him. Well, the mom didn't, but it's just, I guess. Uh, I'm, well, maybe like he knew the mom somehow. Like this is because this is like for four years calling someone every yeah. week just well, to scare them. He's creep- and so like I can't commit to going to the gym for more than two weeks. <laughs> like right. to call someone yeah. every day or every week, for, like for four years. That is insane. Like you have to have a really good reason to be doing that. I, well, you know what, you know what kind of reason is like, uh, will we'll, we'll cause something that's wrong to come. What's powerful is resentment. Like if it, mm-hmm. what's fun to explore, it's morally off balance, but it's interesting to think maybe she like, it's maybe it's like it's revenge and it's super serious. Like he's that pissed. He killed her and I'm going to fuck with your family forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe she's some sick piece of, on the scenes, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how. I don't think there's there's nothing there's nothing given to, for us to explore that. No, I know you mean it could be that she is technically still a victim, but uh, maybe she did something. But I don't know, man. Just working at two places like a psychedelic shop and a head shop, like in the 1980s, I bet the people that went in there were some sketchy ass people. And she doesn't look like she was. I mean, she looks like she was an attractive girl. And mm-hmm. I mean, I bet that she had just some creepy guy that was just obsessed with her, man. She worked- she worked at a head shop and a psychedelic yeah, shop? Yeah, two separate shops. I thought it was a combo. Okay, no, 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 yeah, no. dude, this bitch is sketchy. Okay, because you're right, you're right. She's like, she would have been a she would have been a pretty young lady back then. This was like, and then the parents, of course, like, oh, so such a devout Christian, so like, so noble her whole life. So like, yeah, right, man. That's like, what, that's what hot girls' parents say after they get murdered. Yeah. It's like, yeah, she had a 3.9 and she was going to be a pharmacist. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's all so pretty afterward. It's just crazy because yeah, all they, especially back in the '80s and not, there's not there's like no videos or there's no there's such little evidence because like nowadays I feel like there's even like the video of like from some street view of something or there's credit card receipts yeah. there's some there's something at an ER you're telling me an ER with a, a a car speeding away there's no camera outside of a hospital yeah, yeah what the right. yeah I mean so this that's what I'm saying 1980 dude this is before all that this is like so we really you really are left with 
You can that that's a crazy. Yeah, we still had a mafia back then, you know, like yeah. it was lawless. Like, that's it's... why it was so easy to sell crack back then. Jay Z yeah. would never figure it out now. No, totally. He'd have been even gone. through through the two thousands. It was terrifyingly easy to sell crack. <laughs> <laughs> even now, I'm pretty sure <laughs> it can't be that hard. I don't. You know what? Who's the Who's the first person you'd ask if you needed some crack right now? I'd say, well, Mike, you got a joke about crack, right? How much? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say his name. But I, know, I, I just realized I, I know just, who I'd hit up, but I don't. We can't answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. We all know the same person. All, right. <laughs> all right, so let's let's close this out. So we got uh, in 1984, in April 1984, the man called during the evening. Evening, Jacob Scott, uh, which is Dorothy's dad, I, I, I think, answered the phone, and then the call stopped. After Scott's remains were found, though, in August of 1984, the family started receiving phone calls again. So, yeah, this guy, like, quieted out, and they found the body. So he might have put it out so they could find it, and then he Dude, just keep calling. it's Damn. unsolved, and he's out there somewhere. Ooh, here we this, go. This guy is, exists. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the police installed a voice recorder at the Scott residence, obviously, because the shit's whatever, but they were never able to trace his calls because the man never stayed on the line long enough. This is back in the 80s when you probably needed them to stay on the line for like 34 minutes. Yeah, right. Them to be, all right, man, can you just read me a book real quick? Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to triangulate from Denver. Yeah, I can't go over to L.A. Just keep telling them, repeat, I can't hear you. What was that? <laughs> I have her. Can Wait, what now? was that? <laughs> just keep talking over him a little bit. Oh, you. Oh, yeah. you. Okay, no, no. Okay, you just go. No, you go. You know, you go. You go. My bad. No, my bad. Okay, you go. (laughs) For forty minutes, (laughs) that's how you caught criminals. Okay, that's who the hostage negotiator were. Just annoying people. (laughs) Okay, so this is the last thing we got. Is a possible motivation in Scott's murder murder surfaced June twelfth, nineteen eighty. An unidentified man called the front desk at the Orange County Register, the paper that had run the story that day about the case. A man. Uh, a managing editor told the police that the man said, I killed her. I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's a quote from the, the guy that got the editor, uh, the manager guy. It could be fake. It could be real, but that's a quote from the phone. I doubt he ever even had any actual connection, like, or conversation with her. And he just had it in his head. That that's what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, it's kind of yeah, like that yeah. crazy dude. That's, like, that's what I think. That's, that's what it is. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. He became obsessed with it. Isn't there, there's, like, there's something called, there's like a movie called Obsessed, right? And the, where a guy kills it, or, or vice versa. I can't remember. The one Beyonce? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's not Beyonce. That's like no, Jennifer Lopez. Maybe Beyonce's so, got yeah, a song Beyonce. that's called Obsessed. Yeah. She does. I think I know what you're talking about. I remember that movie. Right. And it's that girl kills that one dude, right? Or something. Uh. Yeah, yeah. The girl's like, I love you, and but, then like cuts his skin off. Like, I'm not sure how. See, sounds the lambs is like that. I'm <laughs> not sure how closely related in time they are, but like the fact that uh, psychedelics are involved in this story kind of reminds me of like the Helter Skelter cases too, when you know they oh, were yeah, all yeah, like, like Charles Manson. Yeah, all those. like they were like a, like sort of like an acid family, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah there could have been some kind of just... drug thing involved, especially with her. You know, you got to keep thinking about where she worked. She worked at two of those jobs, two of those places. Yeah. Well, like, even know, if like, she didn't do drugs, the people who come in there are exactly. going to be like drug-addled, like maniacs. Like, I'm sure a couple of them, a couple psychopaths probably have a few lava lamps in their house, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, yeah. It's, uh, here's the strangest lapse in the whole, you were talking about the 80s, because like, basically it's like back then, if somebody just didn't see you murder somebody, you got away with it. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's crazy that they could have somebody on the phone, and not just the voice recognition, but they that they can't, that they like have them on the phone like wait where are you yeah. that's like as much as they can hear. To the murderer. they can't even trace it like it, it, and also that's so strange that that's back when like you could take pride in crimes 
like wait like you know like the 20 like bank robbers yeah, like would be like stoked outside yeah, yeah it's yeah. like you could just call it why would you call the newspaper just to be like yeah i did it so, that, hey, that's why yeah, exactly. that's why i think he wanted to get caught because he was just flirting with the idea of it so much that would have been closure that yeah, would have finally yeah. well it, it said that the editor realized that it was the guy the killer because they, they they thought it could have been just anybody calling and saying that but the the, the caller knew that conrad boston suffered a spider bite on May 28th, and he also knew that Scott had been wearing a red scarf, and she had changed her black scarf to a red one after the employee meeting. So this dude's dropped. This dude, this whoever this guy is, it said after the employee meeting. So there again, it makes me feel like this dude's a customer because say he was hanging out at the store earlier. Then there was the employee meeting, and then he notices that she changed her scarf yeah, color. Yeah, you know I mean, he could have been at the meeting even. He could have been like. Yeah. Friends enough with the employees to Jesus. where he could have had the employee meeting, like hanging out. Yeah, and none of those details were published in the June 12th article, so this guy definitely knew some shit. The caller also claimed that Scott phoned him from the hospital that night. Uh, Pam, he disputed that claim, saying she had been with Scott the entire time and she had not made a phone call. So that's weird. So then the call, the murderer, quote unquote, said that uh, Dorothy Scott actually called him from the hospital that night. I'm telling you, dog. That's not this. There's more. There's this, more. more the story. stories on her than than we than we thought in the beginning. Yeah. So investigators believe be the know. anonymous caller was responsible for Scott's death, and then it's pretty much still open and unsolved. And uh, yeah, that's pretty damn man. That's nuts. But yeah, again, uh, as. If anybody knows anything, Orange County Homicide Task Force, uh, what is this, OCHTF.org, they're, I guess they're still investigating that kind of stuff, but I doubt that they're, you know, they're super... There's just one, like, 50, 60-year-old detective being like, I'm going to solve this case, I promise. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah he's going to entire... be so inspired when he hears this podcast. Yeah, right, yeah. he's like, finally, someone's talking about These it. These violent <laughs> kids are going to help me open this thing up. <laughs> Yeah. We'll get a van, drive down to LA, <laughs> help him. That'd be fun. Guys, let's do it. Yeah, so contact contact at OCHTF.org, 866 673 Also us, if you know who did it. Yeah, yeah hit let us me up. Know. Let we, me know. we would love up. to know, 360 Yeah, Hit me up at Trilly Flyman on Twitter. Yes, that is a tweet. And comment on my videos who you think did this murder, because I'm curious. Yeah, cool. Well, that's uh, episode one, The Murder of Dorothy Jane Scott. Thank you guys so much for sitting in on the first episode of Who Done It? Spooky. Ooh. Ooh.